Say boo if you started school this week. All right. If you're, if you're a parent and your kids started school this week. Yes, amen. School's great. Um, actually, it's an honor to get to, to be back in school. I know most people are pretty, pretty stoked about that. Um, if you're joining us online today, I want to welcome you. Um, it's an honor to have you join us today for our service. Uh, today is the first weekend of our Vision Weekends. Uh, we're going to be doing this for three weeks. So um, this weekend, we're really just you know, focusing on, on spending some more time in worship through music. And then um, the final weekend, two weeks from now, we're going to uh, spend even more time in worship as well, kind of having like many worship nights on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And then next week, we're going to be laying out some, some plans for our future as a church. We're going to be inviting you to be involved in. And um, even was getting, literally getting text messages from all over the world um, while we were in worship, like, hey, can you guys be involved in this this year? And I don't know. So I think it's going to be an interesting year. Um, people are hungry for ministry. A um, couple of things I, I wanted to talk about was just kind of the state of the church uh, in, in our community, in the world. Um, this week, uh, sadly, I watched uh, two churches in our community close down permanently. Um, I've had three pastor friends just within the last three weeks that have stepped away from ministry. Uh, I know of three churches in our area that are just kind of hanging by a thread. Um, the largest, most influential church in the Northwest uh, closed down all of their locations except for one uh, this last year. And so some people would look at the state of the church and say, like, man, this isn't good. Um, this year has been rough. It has, right? It's been rough. And so uh, I read one statistic, and there's all sorts of statistics, and so I try not to get too caught up in them. But one statistic I read said that uh, one in three people that went to church before COVID um, are never coming back. And I don't know if I believe that or not, but it's something that I read. Um, I found a website a couple of weeks ago of, of churches that have shut down due to COVID that are all these buildings, like there's literal websites of buildings, churches for sale um, to be used for other things. And so this is not what, what it seems on the surface is not good, but I actually see it as a great opportunity for the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ to be spread to a world that is very hungry and desperate for Jesus Christ. And so a couple of things that I was thinking about as I was thinking about some of these Sad statistics and just sad for, for hundreds of people in our community that are without a church today is that um, by God's grace, um, we're still here. And I, I'm grateful for all of you, grateful for this community. Uh, by God's grace, we have continued as a church. Uh, we, meeting has been different sometimes over the last year and a half, but we've continued meeting We've continued baptizing people. We've continued dedicating babies, praying for people, performing weddings, reaching out to new people, counseling people, holding funerals, mentoring people, leading people, still paying our bills, still serving people, still worshiping together. And how many of you are grateful for that? Uh, God's been faithful. And, but it's just been a rough couple of years. Um, all of us know that. Some things have actually been better um, here at our church, maybe in your family. Maybe there's been some things that have been better over this season. Uh, but some things have not been better. Um, but we, all Christians on planet Earth, we haven't stopped being the church. 
We're called to be the church. Jesus said, on this rock, the rock is the foundation, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. On this rock, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so if, if the church um, is, is kind of butting up against the gates of hell and not prevailing against the gates of hell, that means that the church has stopped moving. And so sadly, um, lots of local expressions of the church around the world have stopped moving. And as a result, um, we haven't seen ground gained that needs to be gained for the sake of Christ and building God's kingdom. And so I just want to say, we're moving, we're going somewhere. We, we want to progress as God's kingdom. And, and even though we could say we're grateful for still surviving, we're grateful for getting by. How many of you know you can't stay here? You can't stay where you're at. You, you've got to progress forward. Uh, churches need to move forward. Your family needs to move forward. Um, this church must move forward. And, and as, as we look forward to moving forward, um, I've got to admit, it's been incredibly difficult to see clearly. That's why this, this vision uh, logo I made is just like all these weird global events, and it's just so blurry and confusing and chaotic, and we want to have some sort of clarity. And so I, I would applaud those of you who, despite the confusion and the chaos and, and the blur of the world around us, um, those of you who haven't lost sight of your relationship with Christ, those who haven't lost sight in your hope that is only found in his return, those who haven't lost sight of um, this church's vision, goals, plans, or calling. And how many of you would say, like, I've been distracted from all those things this year? I know I have. It's been so, so distracting. And I feel like the last two years has just been constant catch-up constant trying to figure out where our place is in the world. And so I would say, like, as a church, we've been distracted. Uh, we haven't lost sight of those things. We haven't lost or given up, but, but it's been real distracting, and we need some clarity in order to move forward. In Proverbs chapter 29, um, this likely written by King Solomon, and I'll read the King James Version. We usually read out of the English Standard Version. Um, King James Version puts this scripture this way. Um, it says, where there is no vision, people perish. Um, some other English translations say, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Meaning, without vision, people don't know which direction to go. Without vision, people don't know what to do. You could also say, without some sort of a view of the future, you don't know where to head to. And so I would say, like, as a church, we need a vision or we'll perish. Uh, I saw a lot of churches in our community make a stand and say, um, we are, I mean, not, I'm not exaggerating this. Like, we, we will no longer meet in person ever as a church. Um, we will only meet online. And, friends, that's not church. That, church is community. And, and sadly, um, most of those churches are, are closing down because people are interested in television shows. People are interested in community. People are interested in corporate worship. People are interested in serving one another. People are interested in gathering together in the presence of God and worship and under the word of God. 
And so I think that's why so many have closed down is because we've lost sight of our vision because we weren't prepared for what 2020 and 2021 and hopefully not 2022 hold in front of us. One of my heroes um, outside of faith is Walt Disney, and that's why I wore this, this shirt today. It's not just because I wanted to wear this shirt because I normally wouldn't. Uh, but Walt Disney uh, was a visionary. He was able to see his visions completed before they were even started. Um, what he was really great at was he was great at casting vision to others, and they would actually catch it and follow through with it. So there's this memo that I found, a memo he wrote to his production designer in 1948. Um, throughout World War II, um, Walt Disney started to have this dream and this vision and beforehand of what a theme park could look like. And in 1948, he wrote this memo to his production designer seven years before Disneyland was ever open. And this is the memo. He says, The main village, which includes the railroad station, is built around a village green or informal park. In the park, there will be benches, a bandstand, drinking fountain. I love that just one. Drinking fountain, trees and shrubs. It will be a place for people to sit and rest. Mothers and grandmothers can watch over small children at play. I want it to be very relaxing cool and inviting. Around the park will be built the town. At one end will be the railroad station. At the other end, the town hall. The hall will be built to represent a town hall, but actually we will use it as our administration building. It will be the headquarters of the entire project. Notice, notice his wording there. He says, it will be. He doesn't say, this is my idea. He says, it will be this way. And so, Five years after writing this memo in 1948, so in 1953, um, a, a site is acquired in Orange County, California, which at that time was out in the country, you know, 20 plus miles away from downtown Los Angeles. And many would have passed over this site for its lackluster appearance and flat ground, but he wrote this later on in his life. He said, I first saw the site for Disneyland back in 1953. In those days, it was all flat land, no rivers, no mountains, no castles or rocket ships, just orange groves and a few acres of walnut trees. You see, it's important to have something to shoot for, to aim for. It's important to have vision for your life. It's important to have vision for your business. It's important to have vision for your family, especially vision for your church. And as a church, our vision has always been to be a community of grace, love, and hope. And more specifically, over the last several years, our vision has been to be a multiplying movement of passionate followers of Jesus who impact our communities and beyond with grace, love, and hope. Our communities and beyond. And that vision has become complicated with COVID, but yet it's remained the same, and it's continuing to be accomplished. So we have these vision weekends every year, and we say, like, here's some of our plans. And I could say, like, all those plans are actually coming into fruition. One surprise of COVID was um, our dear staff member, Trina Wright, moved away um, to Oklahoma City because she owned a house there, and it's much cheaper there than here. And, man, it was a no-brainer. So she moved, and... Um, I just was texting during worship um, as 
Fellowship Church, Oklahoma City, was finishing their service. She said, we just, we just departed. Our service was great, and it was awesome. So, like, didn't see that last year. We didn't see that coming, like this multiplying movement of passionate followers of Jesus. And some other people around the nation and our community are saying, hey, we, we'd like to do something similar because we'd like to have a church like Fellowship Church in our community, even if it means meeting in our homes. And so I, I remember years and years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, Anthony, have you ever stopped to consider that the places I'm taking you are places that you never even considered? I never considered going to some of these places. I never considered us reaching out to so many things. Our, our friend, uh, Thiago da Silva, and his wife, Danny, I had a, a meeting with them this week over Skype in Brazil, and he just had texted me again during worship and said, can you send a team for Christmas? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. And so people are hungry, and the reason that they're reaching out to people like you and me is because so many are doing nothing right now. It's because so many are just doing absolutely nothing. And they're going to send us a video next week of some stuff going on, and we'll show a video of Oklahoma next week as well. So God convicted me of something a couple of weeks ago. We were in the series, Eli, and I had the message about the guy who'd lost his axe head. Remember that? And the message was essentially, what have you lost? And I wasn't really sure what I'd lost, if I'd lost anything. I wasn't naive to it. I wasn't, like, prideful about it. I was just like, I don't know if there's something I've lost, but I feel like I have lost something. And as I was preaching the sermon that evening that we had that sermon on a Sunday night, I told everyone that was here, I said, pray and ask God to show you what you've lost. And I did that while I had you pray to ask God and show you what you lost. And, and immediately, something came to mind that, that I had lost. And so the steps for losing something was to recognize what you've lost. And I didn't recognize it. I didn't know I'd lost it. But then once the Lord showed me, the steps were remember what it was like when you had that thing. Remember what it was like before you lost it. Do you remember that? The next step was then repent. Repent that you've lost. It doesn't mean you've done something wrong or you've sinned. It just means repentance. I shouldn't be here. And then the last step was what? Do. Do the things you did at first. And so the Lord showed me, here's what you've lost. Remember what it was like when you had it. Repent of it, and then do what you used to do. And here's the word that came to mind for me. It was the word boldness. Immediately, the Lord said, you've lost boldness. How many of you have ever lost boldness before? And I knew immediately, like, God, you're right. Uh, I have lost boldness. And so I, I'm, I'm remembering what it was like when I was more bold. I'm repenting of it to you now, and I've got to step into a new season where we can begin walking in that again. See, the boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit is one thing that you must have for a church to move forward. In this world, if the church is not bold, then we just fit in. In this world, if the church isn't bold, then the church just meets the status quo instead of standing out. Instead of being different than the culture we find ourselves in. And you, I'll give you some context here. So you say, well, pastor, did you, um, 
Did you walk away from some of your core tenets of faith, or did you walk away from uh, stances on the moral laws of Scripture? And I'd say, no, not at all. But I kind of got quiet about some of those things. And I kind of sat on the fence about some of those things. Because I learned that sometimes when you're bold, a lot of people come and they repent and they turn to Jesus and their lives change. But you also offend a lot of people when you're bold. And it hurts to offend people. And when you offend people, you get offended that they're offended at you. And so sometimes I've learned, like, I just got to play it a little bit safer so I can have more people like me. How many of you have done that before? Just got to play it a little safer so that way more people like me. So don't ruffle feathers. Don't, don't get the water choppy. Just play it cool, stay silent, stay quiet, don't jump into that conversation. And I'm not saying we need to be jerks. I'm not saying that we need to wave a flag and jump on a table. I'm just saying that God calls the church to be bold. Acts 4.29, after Peter and John had been released from prison, the church gathered together to pray, and they said, Now, Lord, look upon the threats of the Jews and the Romans. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Boldness is what the primary result of the filling of the Holy Spirit was in the book of Acts. The first thing the church exhibited outside of, in that case, speaking in tongues and preaching, it was boldness that brought that thing about. Boldness drives the church, complacency causes the church to be complacent. Uh, Paula, one of our assistant pastors here, I don't know where she got this quote, but she's always, she's always saying it, and I always get annoyed when she does. And it, she says, um, sometimes being nice isn't kind. Sometimes being nice to people is not kind. To be kind to others, to love them, to tell them the truth doesn't always seem nice. But it is kind. It's kind in this world we find ourselves in. So oftentimes we, we do nothing, and when we think our inaction is being nice, but it's actually not nice at all. So here's our phrase for today. It's this. Because the next three weeks we're going to talk about the future, the future, the future. And the phrase for today is this. The future belongs to the bold. And this is, I did not make up this phrase. The first time I heard it was by a a speaker named Erwin McManus. I don't know if he made it up. I'm just giving him credit because where we're going the next two weeks is going to be built on this. But the future belongs to the bold. So we can't, as a church, we can't talk about our vision and we can't talk about the future of this church without repenting of a lack of boldness. We can't just talk about the future without recognizing that the future belongs to the bold. As we wrap this up, here's one more quote from Disney that's relevant to all of this. He says this. He says, courage is the main quality of leadership. In my opinion, no matter where courage is exercised, usually courage implies some risk especially in new undertakings. Courage to initiate something and keep it going, pioneering an adventurous spirit to blaze new ways often 
in our land of opportunity. But I like that first phrase, courage is the main quality of leadership. So not only does the future belong to the bold, but you, you can't actually lead without boldness. You're not really a leader. And so we need to express some boldness, and our vision depends on boldness, but yet that boldness at the same time has to be expressed with grace, love, and hope, and that's a fine line to walk. And so I happen to be a pastor, and for whatever reason, I'm the pastor of this church. That means that I have responsibility for each of you that call this church home. My wife and I were talking about that last night at dinner, and I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for these people in some way. And, of course, you're responsible to make your own decisions and all that. But literally, according to Scripture, I am responsible for you to God. And that's terrifying. Scripture says that leaders are to be held to a higher standard. I was listening to a message yesterday that said, once you belong to Jesus, no one can take away your salvation, but there are some people who belong to Jesus that have been called to certain roles of leadership, and though a leader cannot lose their salvation, someone taking it away from them, a loser can lose their ability to lead based off the way that they live. So as the pastor of this church, it means I'm supposed to be a shepherd. And here's the deal. Anybody can scratch the ears of a sheep to make them feel good and then leave them to the wolves after petting them for a few moments of pleasure. But a shepherd leads his sheep. A shepherd protects them and feeds them. So as God was convicting me about boldness, he was reminding me that that's what I'm supposed to do in this new pasture that we find ourselves in. And I would say that the year... Uh, 2020 was the start of a new pasture. And just like I'm responsible for the church, I have much more of a responsibility to my wife and to my children. And I was thinking about my children as a father. Um, I have to be bold with my kids. I have to tell my kids the truth no matter what culture says the truth is or no matter how my kids feel. I have to tell them the truth. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing with my son some of the difficulties of ministry, and my son actually um, called me out for a lack of boldness. And he called me out for what was sin. And I said, Dad, you have to make decisions regardless of how other people feel. You've got to make decisions that are the right thing to do. And sometimes when we get older than 16, we get a little bit jaded. And we forget about some of those ideals and the passion and the boldness. And so this season, as we, as we go into these next couple weeks, I'm making a commitment to this church to talk to the church that I'm responsible for as I would talk to my own kids. Is that fair? Because why, why would I? Because I don't all the time. I'm honest with my kids, and sometimes I'm not as upfront and honest with the church as I need to be about the state of where we're at as a world. Joshua 1.9, God tells Joshua as he's about to lead the Israelites into the land they were promised, says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Fellowship Church, the future belongs to the bold. Next weekend, we're going to talk about how the future belongs to the free. It belongs to the bold. It belongs to the free. Um, come next week ready to dream, ready to make some decisions of how you can propel boldness and freedom forward uh, in this community that we, that we serve in, because that's what we do. We serve. Would you guys stand as we begin to sing? We're going to sing a few songs, and I'm going to come up uh, with Elaine Amerson when we dismiss and tell you about how you can get connected in some connect groups these next couple of weeks. But would you join me in prayer? You could bow your heads, um, eliminate distraction for a minute. Proverbs 29, without vision, people perish. Without vision, people cast off restraint. Do you have vision for your life? You should. Do you have vision for your family? You should. Do you have vision for your business? You should. Vision is an ideal of the future. Without that vision, we, we cast off restraint. We just kind of go wildly into the horizon. And we need something to shoot for, something to aim for, a path to walk down. I'd encourage you to find something to be passionate about, to find something to have vision for. And what I'm convicted most of right now is to have vision for the next generation, to have vision for our children, our teens, our young adults, have vision for them because the world that they live in, even if you're 25 right now, the world that people younger than you live in is radically different than the world that you grew up in. And you need some vision to get through that. And, and the future of that vision that you have the future belongs to the bold. And boldness is the primary and first result of a filling of the Holy Spirit. So it's my prayer that God would fill you with boldness. Boldness to preach the gospel. Boldness to pray for people. Boldness to help people. Boldness to love people. Boldness to be gentle with people. But at the same tense line, even boldness to call people out who claim to belong to Christ. And boldness to call people to repentance. And if you don't have vision for your life, and if it's the result of just not knowing Christ, that's the first step. Trusting in Jesus. Jesus is God's Son in the flesh who came and he lived and walked among us. He lived a life without sin, though he was tempted in every way. He died a death on a Roman executioner's cross 
that we deserve to die, taking all the punishment from his Father for our sins upon himself. And Scripture says about Jesus, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. That means that his death on the cross, he offers in exchange his perfection, his holiness, his righteousness in exchange for our sin, which he took and he bore and he died for. That's a free gift that we call grace. And we receive grace from God, which forgives us of our sins, which restores us to a relationship with God, which fills us with his spirit and grants to us everlasting life. We receive that free gift with faith. That, that's, that's the first step to boldness. That's the first step to a vision in your life is putting faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is not religious works. It's not good deeds. It's not money that you give. It's not time that you serve. It's not a prayer that you pray or a song that you sing or a building you go to on Sundays. Faith is trust in God. That's it. You might say, well, I can't trust something if I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers about gravity, but I trust it. I don't have all the answers about how my respiratory system works, but I still breathe. I don't have all the answers of this or that or the other thing, certainly not about Scripture, but God has revealed himself to me just enough and then to trust him because he's all I've got. He's all I have. And friends, Jesus is all we have, the only certainty we have in this world. And it's where our hope is that Jesus is returning. He will judge the living and the dead. Those who belong to him will walk into everlasting life with him. And those who do not, the Bible says explicitly, will be thrown into the lake of fire. We trust in Christ because he offers us this gift of salvation. And that gift is the only thing that will get us to where the ultimate vision takes us. Because I will never be able to work off my sins or to be good enough. And I know it's the same for you. So if you haven't trusted in Jesus, just call out to him, cry out to him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Jesus himself says, God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Would you put your trust in Christ? God, thank you for this time today. God, a a vision for for our family or our business or our life or even this church mean absolutely nothing in comparison to the vision of a relationship that we can have with you. But God, you've used these other things to bring about relationship to others with you. There's someone here that doesn't know you. God, I ask that you would convict them of sin, show them their need for a savior, give them faith to trust in you. God, for anybody here who's lost boldness or vision, would you restore that to them? Would you walk us in the direction, on the path toward what you have for us today? 
God, all the endeavors that each of us set out to do uh, this coming year, may they be done uh, in a way that's pleasing to you. May they be things that are your will. May we honor you by doing so, and may each of us find blessing for ourselves and for our communities as we do so. In Jesus' name, amen.